Olá, eu sou o Moacir, estou falando em português do Brasil. Bem-vindos ao Fluent Show com a Kirsten. Welcome to the Fluent Show with Kirsten. Tada! Welcome to the Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving, living, and learning languages. My name is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk and on this show we talk about anything and everything interesting from the world of learning another language. And here we are, time to cheer. This is the last episode of the year 2018, which saw the the renaming of the Creative Language Learning Podcast to the show that you're listening right now, The Fluent Show. If you came on board this year, welcome! Woo! High five! If you have been a long-term listener of the podcast already, I just want to start off by saying how happy I am that you are listening right now and how cool it is that you're still here. Today's episode is a listener question-based episode. So, you know, every now and then on The Fluent Show, I put aside a little bit of time to answer your listener questions. And this one is from Ie, who you can find on Instagram under the username ie.learns.norsk. <laughs> so you can guess what language she is learning. I also want to give a shout out to Moacir, who sent me this awesome intro in Brazilian Portuguese. Don't forget that you can send your own intro and you can send your own questions and just whack it all over in an email to Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk. If you're sending your intro, make sure you attach the audio file. If you're sending me a question, don't have to attach an audio file, <laughs> but it, it's nice to hear you, so you can do that too. Uh, before we go any further, you know we got somebody to thank as well. Today's episode is brought to you with support from our new sponsor, Drops. Drops is the new way to learn a language that combines short, engaging wordplay with mnemonic association. If you don't know what mnemonic association is, it's basically a proven technique based on science, based on research, what's research into what works, a proven technique to make words stickier, to help you remember words. So Drops is a remarkable vocab app. I've been really impressed. Their design is not just beautiful and playful, but it also works a charm when you're learning a new script like Chinese and Arabic. There's plenty of swiping and tapping, as this is one app that is designed for the phone screen and not for keyboards. So it's a particularly great one if you're listening on a phone right now, as I know many of you are. Using drops is a lot less frustrating than many of the usual suspects. I know this because I'm learning Chinese, so I'm playing around with the Chinese language in the drops app, and I barely ever feel like I'm getting things wrong, even when I am, and that's an achievement. Drops makes language app use exciting and fast-paced with its word games, and it's guaranteed to become one of those that you use every day. And as a special trick... You only get five minutes a day with the Drops app when you first start off. So you can get used to it and it's got this sort of addictive quality where when your time is up, you're going to want to come back the next day. Drops is available for all iOS and Android devices and they even have a special partner app that you could check out called Scripts. And that is what it says on the tin so you can practice your scripts. To try our sponsor Drops and play with your words today, look for language drops in the app store or in the play store 
and head to languagedrops.com slash fluentshow when you want to go deeper with drops as Fluent Show listeners get a 40% discount. Woohoo! So don't forget to go to languagedrops.com slash fluentshow to support our show after your free trial to get a great deal on this award-winning language app. Thank you very much to Drops. Like I said, every other week on The Fluent Show, I put aside a little bit of time to answer your listener questions. Since the question from Ia came on Instagram, I've got my phone here, so I'm going to read it out to you. She says, do you have any tips for getting false cognates out of your mind? For example, will in Norwegian is want to and not will. And I've been studying Norwegian for three months and I still can't get will out of my mind. And that, so that was her question. Her question was about what she says was false cognates. And we often know as false friends. So for, what are false friends? They are the words that you're learning in a target language that look like they're going to mean, they're going to be really easy, right? It's a word like will, will, <laughs> you know, it comes up in a, in a target language. A word like gift, it's an absolute classic and they look like you already know them. You go, oh, yeah, gift. I know what gift is. And then you start talking <laughs> and you realize, oh, man, this word doesn't mean what I thought it meant. It means it looks like you'll know what it means. It looks like a friend. But then when you get close to it, it doesn't mean what you think it's going to mean. It's a false friend. And I've got lots and lots of examples from my Instagram followers for you here. By the way, if you do not follow me on Instagram, why don't you come across and join the group? It's Kirsten underscore Fluent. That's right. It's 2018 and I'm using an underscore in my name. So Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N underscore Fluent. You'll find me on Instagram. It'd be great to have you on there. So here are a few examples from my Instagram followers. The word gift, as I already mentioned, means a gift in English. So it's a present that you give somebody. But in the German language, it means poison. What? And in the Norwegian language and the Icelandic language, it means married. So you can say, yeah, gift, I am married. So married, poison, to give. What? And in Arabic, there is a word that is kalb, kalb, which can mean cow in other languages. In Italian, this is one that Sam shared, Parenti means relatives. It doesn't mean parents, it means relatives. Because genitori means parents. So you have to you have to do a lot of learning there. You've got to learn the word for relatives, which is parenti, and you have to unlearn the word for parents in your head, which is parenti, and instead tell yourself it's genitori. So there's a lot of work going on there, and you see why you see what the problem is. In German my native language, of course, there's lots, lots more. And one of the calming things, perhaps if you're learning foreign language, is that if it's a false friend for you, it's also a false friend for them. So for me, the word bekommen and the English word become, so me learning the English word become, often made me use it like the German word bekommen, which means to receive, to get something, but it actually means as you know, to become, to turn into something. And you sometimes will hear Germans say, I am becoming a baby, meaning I'm having a baby, <laughs> meaning I'm, you know, a baby will appear in my life very soon, meaning I'm pregnant. But I am becoming means you're turning into something. Then this German word spenden, which means to donate and not to spend. There's the German word paprika, 
which doesn't mean the same as paprika. <laughs> and Elizabeth shared the French word actuellement, actuellement, which means currently. And it doesn't mean actually, even though you really want to say actually. And that's actually one that comes up in German too. And very funny final one that I'm going to highlight here on the show. You, you'll find more on, on Instagram. The word hi, <laughs> we know the word hi, it means hello in many languages, including English. It means yes in Japanese. And in German, der hi means the shark. So as you can see, there's some similarity, perhaps some sort of rhyme or reason to many cognates, but not all of them. So what is going on there? Well, linguists actually make a separation between two different types of false friends. Number one, the chance false friend, also known as the chance cognate, which is when two words sound the same or look the same, mean something different, and it doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to why this is happening. They literally just happen to occupy the same sound or spell space it just it just seems to be a coincidence and that you know so it's happening by chance and those are called chance false friends they're reasonably uncommon and that would also explain why sometimes a word in Japanese will sound like a word in German even though the history the shared origins of Japanese and German are not very strong or perhaps you're learning Spanish and and Arabic and you'll find oh my god these words sound the same Yeah, it could be historical reasons, but linguistically, there's not that much going on. Now, let's talk about the other type of false friend that is all about what happens when you learn two related languages. So what's happening there, and I'm going to give you an example, is that these words have got the same, what's called etymological origin. Etymological refers to where that word came from and what the original language was and who originally came into wherever the land is that you're living and was using that word. So in other words, what is the history of that word? And I'm going to, I'm going to be basic here and give you the example that Wikipedia uses because I like it and it's easy to, easy to get the gist of it straight away. And we need to learn one more word before we do that, before we work out this whole false friend. And that is the word cognate. So the cognate is like the sister, cousin, cousin brother, cousin sister of the false friend. A cognate is a word that has got this shared origin, but the shared meaning never shifted so that you can you can really see how the two words are related in two languages. So, for example, the Spanish language and the English language have got lots of words in common that look really look really similar. So, for example, the word history and the word historia, they're, they're fairly easy to figure out and they sort of mean the same thing. And they are so, so similar because they both came from Latin. That's why you can see the histoire in French as well. So those are Romance languages. The Romans came, the Romans spoke a lot of Latin. And da-da-da, now a lot of Romance languages use a lot of Latin-based words. And that's handy. And this appears in German and English as well. In German and English, you also have a lot of cognates that come from the Germanic world that is a little bit different. So, for example, the English word starving is related to the German word sterben. 
Sterben doesn't mean starving, but it means dying. So you can really see shared history and these regions used to speak a much more similar language and it's called Proto-Germanic, but I don't want to go too deep into linguistics worlds that are out of my depth. So in other words, what is happening in a cognate is that two words have got a shared history and they've maintained a shared meaning. What's happening with a false friend that is a semantic false friend, and that's what these are called in related languages, is that the shared history has shifted slightly and it has become ever so slightly more difficult to see how they're related. So you can just about see it with, with the word gift. The word gift in English, okay, so you're giving something to somebody else, it's a gift. In the word gift in Norwegian, Icelandic, perhaps other Scandi languages, you are using the word to say married and you can sort of piece together this history where especially a woman is gifted to a man in <laughs> marriage. Um, or you can think of it that way. You can see, you can say these two people are giving themselves to each other as companions, as life sharers. So that is what marriage is all about. Marriage is about giving a part of yourself and being that gift. I guess if we're thinking of it this way, we can kind of get there. Similar with this this connection between becommen and to become. You can sort of get there, but you kind of have to tell yourself a much, much longer story. And that is because false friends maybe back in the day, used to not be false friends. They used to be cognates. But over time, the development of what the word meant, perhaps there might have been a, a shift in a vowel, a shift in something else. The development of what a word meant and how what it was used for changed as the two different regions that used that word developed differently. So those are semantic false friends. And like I said before, you've got to know their cousins, the cognates, because cognates are actually really, really great news for all of us language learners. So, for example, this is the great Wikipedia example, which I do really appreciate. The English word dish and the German word tisch, which means table, are cognates because they both come from the Latin word discus, which relates to flat surfaces. So, a dish... A dinner plate is a flat surface. A tish, the thing you eat your dinner off, is a flat surface. Both of them can be used in that way. So you can see that they are related words. Cognates are really good news for language learners. And they are a big part of what is cited when we talk about is this language easier than another language. So in other words, the more words languages have in common with each other, the more highly they will rank when you are thinking about which language is easiest to learn. And you can see that with those FSI scales where they say, oh, Spanish is easier to learn for an English native speaker than, say, German, because there are more cognates, there's more vocab intersection. Well, and then there's also the bit where Spanish doesn't have cases. So in other words, cognates are welcome. And false friends are these kind of black sheep cognates that we do have to deal with in language learning. Luckily, they are a lot more rare. But I want to offer you a thought about false friends, a sort of reframe. And that is, from a philosophy point of view, they remind us that another language 
and another group of people doesn't have to do things our way. If the Icelandic folks want to say gift means married and the English people want to say gift means a present and you hand over, those that, that has to be okay. When you are learning a language, you are opening your eyes to this different world and this different way of viewing the world. And in that sense, a false friend, even though they are frustrating, can can be this wonderful reminder. It can kind of be something that is in exactly the right place. So I encounter false friends just like everybody else does when I'm learning languages. But on the, in the grand scheme of things, I think there are not that many. And there are two reasons why you should love false friend. Number one, because they remind us that everybody is different and they put us in a in a mindset of tolerance and acceptance, which is exactly where we want to be as, as human beings. And secondly, less philosophically, <laughs> they mean that the language you're learning has got loads of cognates and cognates are a great thing because they make your job easier. So I've got a few tips if you want to deal with false friends. And I, yeah, I have to disappoint you. There is no trick. And I've searched high and low around the internet. There is no specific trick that will guarantee to get this out of your mind. The only thing to do it is really to learn it and tell yourself a story around it. So the story about gift, I'm thinking, okay, it's two people giving each other their love, gifting their love. And that helps me remember, that helps me just get it into my head that gift doesn't mean a present or gift doesn't mean poison. And, and and again, in English with the word gift, I now don't, I've used it that much. So you've got, you know, with regular usage, it just sort of starts to override the, the, the false meaning that you have in your head. So there's no tip for banning them. But the more you see the correct usage in your target language, the easier it's going to get. Tips for working out this etymology, this shared history. And tips for being more aware of false friend because I think awareness is the answer here you've got to know it's a false friend in order to get around it and the best tip I have for you is to get yourself a learner's dictionary because when you look up a word in a learner's dictionary not only do you get a good range of meanings but you'll also get a false friend warning because the dictionary maker is looking out for you as the learner and many websites for example word reference don't stretch to doing that because they're great, great word references. <laughs> you know, they're great dictionaries. But that special aid designed for a language learner, I've not seen that with an online dictionary that much. But any that you purchase, so if you get like the whatever Collins Learner's Dictionary of Norwegian, they will look out for you in that way. So my modern Welsh Learner's Dictionary will make me aware of anything that I need to know about how a word is used. So just a good general tip, get a learned dictionary. Number two, study the origin and look up the origin. And I do this very frequently because the etymology, the study of etymology, or it's not really a study, but you know, just looking it up helps me so, so much when I want to remember a word. So I'm thinking back to this Italian genitori and um, parenti, and if we're thinking, okay, parenti, pa, pa, parent, okay, maybe not parent, but if we're thinking what else, you know, you're thinking of the word parable and you're thinking of the word um, pair, you know, like a, a pair or something being on parity. Okay, so there's sort of people are, they're on parity with you. That's your family. And then genitori, 
to me, I look at this word and I'm going, okay, like maybe I can look up the origin and see if origin, origin, maybe also has this like origin, originate, genitory, you know, I can build myself a little bridge there and then go, okay, well, those are the people where you originate. So those are your parents. And these little stories that you can build around the meaning to me personally are a great way of learning vocab and it's how I retain a lot more vocab. If you have a problem with a cognate like will and will, I know those come up very quickly and they're a little bit less, the word problems, they sort of go into the grammar because those are grammar words. And in German, we have an example that is wann and wenn and als, which all three of them translate back to, in English to when. So now we're thinking about different meanings and different words that look very familiar. Uh, one tip can be to have your tutor work with you and focus on one thing again and again. So make them aware that you have a problem with this and make sure that they let you know almost instantly when you get it wrong so you can insta-correct. And this, this promotes hyper-awareness, which is terrible when it's about all your mistakes. But if you have one specific thing you want to root out, it can help. Finally, as I say so often, you know, do f forgive yourself, do deal with the frustrations at the point where you, you asked me this question, you'd only been learning Norwegian for three months. And I would say at that point, it's actually a really good development. And remember, remember, the false friend is usually a good sign because it means there's, there's going to be many, many cognates and the ratio of cognates to false friends can be can be up to 20 to 1 in other words you'll get many many words for free and the only payment that you have to put forward is to deal with the extra words that you get that don't quite mean what you think they will mean so i'm in in conclusion i'm not quite sure if obsessive study can help with this particular problem but if you want to study particular false friends you can get lists of them of course and often they're a source of much hilarity so i think if you get one wrong <laughs> so so often you'll find that it's it's so funny that there isn't you know it's so funny once you use it with a tutor or a native speaker and they say oh my god no what are you talking about you've just said she's going to give me poison for christmas and you say oh my god okay oh and it that's not you know, it's, for many people, it's a source of embarrassment. But if you think of it as a source of hilarity on top of that, you know, once we're over the embarrassment, both embarrassment and amusement are strong feelings. And strong feelings are something that helps you enrich the vocab you're trying to learn and remember it. So even if you were to get a false friend wrong, generally speaking, you're going to get over it fairly quickly because you'll have added this extra frustration or embarrassment or amusement and that really helps you get through. Uh, those were my my 10 cents on false friends. I'm so grateful, Ia, to you for asking the question. I hope this answer was a little bit helpful and helpful to many of you language learners out there. The Fluent Show is now about to go on a Christmas break. We are going to be back on the 7th of January. So you're going to have a few weeks off where you're not listening to my voice tell you more about language learning. But please go back or tweet me at The Fluent Show or come and join me on Instagram at Kirsten underscore Fluent and share which episodes of the year of the 
year 2018 you particularly liked. And I'm, I'll be sure to be tweeting and sharing and Facebooking my own favorite episodes of the year. It's been an absolute, an absolute pleasure to be making the Fluent Show for you this year. And I have made a list of the 23 amazing guests I had this year. I want to give a shout out to all of them. To Kara, to Ellen, to Katie, Ruslan and Irina, to Gabriel, Mariana, Catherine and Sam, you'll remember from our language journal episode, to Ollie, to Lindy, Shannon, Benny, Judith, Gabriel Weiner, Richard, Geraldine, Morvith, who I think never heard the episode she was on, to Gavin and Stefan, to Jonathan, and finally, a particularly huge, huge thank you and such a, so much appreciation, as always, to my wonderful, wonderful co-host, Lindsay Williams. Lindsay Williams, who is also, if you haven't tried it yet, is also the host of her own podcast, Language Stories, where she documents her travels around the world. She's currently in season two, which talks about East Asia and East Asian languages. In the new year, I am so excited. I'm already booking guests for amazing, amazing podcasts. And we are going to be welcoming a few remarkable language learners and experts on language learning. As always, I'll be very happy to receive your suggestions for guests you want to hear on the show. Please leave us a review if you can. It really makes a difference. In iTunes, just scroll down and give us some stars. Five stars would be very much appreciated. Leave a few words. Wish us a Merry Christmas. We are absolutely delighted when you review The Fluent Show. Tell a friend about us. Maybe have a listen over Christmas to your favorite episodes. I can't wait to hear from you and I can't wait to have you join me back in the language learning saddle for the new year. Back on 7th of January with the first episode, which is going to be all about getting set up for the new year. Now, I want to leave you with one tip. The holiday season, particularly if you celebrate Christmas, can be mental. It can be so, so busy. But that is no reason why you need to absolutely drop language learning. You can do something like the minimum five minutes. Try the drops up, try one of our wonderful sponsors that we had this year, many of whom have been apps. So, for example, we've had Smart Cards Plus, we have had Clothesmaster, we've had Speechling on the, right, on the line and we've had Live Lingua. All of those are wonderful, wonderful sponsors that supported our show, but they were also chosen by me because they're great language learning tools that you can use. I love hearing about the tools that you want to use so set yourself one goal. Perhaps try something new. Don't give up over Christmas. Maintain that daily contact with your target language. I'm going to be seeing you here in the new year. And that's goodbye from me. Bye.